0: Hi, this is Raj from the Pharmacy Podcast Show. Uh, tonight I'll be interviewing Stephen Riley, who is also one of the candidates for the RPS elections 2018. Hello. Hello. Hi, Stephen. How are you?
1: I'm good, thank you. you okay?
0: I'm good, I'm good. Is it Stephen you like to be called or Steve? Uh, Steve. Steve's fine. Steve, Steve. okay, lovely. How was your, how's your day?
1: No, but quite. it's quite a busy day. Um, do a number of different things. I've been at the office the last few um, few days over the last couple of weeks doing different things, a couple of conferences and meetings away. So trying to catch up on um, a shed load of emails and number of the other things with the uh, team. So it's always an interesting thing trying to get back into the swing of things in the office
0: boss is bank holiday madness as well isn't it
1: yeah trying to get, yeah, finish before the bank i
0: very much appreciate you being here with us on a friday evening i'm pretty sure you could be doing lots of other fun things <laughs>
1: no i appreciate the opportunity to, to um, get involved in a different type of media actually as well it's quite a good way of doing engaging with the membership
0: yeah. as well yeah I've, I've had some um some fantastic feedback in regards with it so um i thought okay yeah let's carry on doing this i'm, I'm actually quite enjoying it as well let's <laughs> to talk to fascinating people like yourselves <laughs> right, have you had a chance to listen to any of the, the podcasts from any of the candidates over the week
1: only, only briefly, to be honest, as I say, being quite out and about in different places. But um, okay. it's a, quite a, a good, good way to get involved with people and what have
0: you. Okay. Oh, lovely. Um, Right. Well, I'll, well, in the interview, we'll have um, a few um questions regarding the candidacy and your views on certain things. Um, But I'll do, I'll do uh, a Friday trivia with you because it's, it's okay. fine and um, okay, let's just get our, our brain going, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you ready?
1: I'll give it a go, yeah, definitely.
0: Okay, what sea creature has three hearts? Oh,
1: three hearts. Oh, I'm struggling with that one, to be honest with you. Um, Give up? Is a sea based is a sea-based
0: creature?
1: Sea creature. Is it a sea creature? Is it based in the sea? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't I can't remember which animal it's But I've got a vaguely vague recollection, maybe something that lives in the sea and three hearts. It's
0: got eight arms.
1: Which was it? It's
0: got eight arms. Oh, an octopus. Yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> In the traditional rhyme, how many mice were blind?
1: Ooh. How many mam- how many mammals are blind?
0: How many mice? mice?
1: Oh, mice. No, oh, three. Three, three, yes. sorry. Yes, yes, yes.
0: Um, in Italy, what's the word for pie? Is it pizza? Yes, <laughs> um, what was Marilyn Monroe's natural hair colour
1: brunette
0: ginger oh right yeah. that that was a that was a a new a new fascinating um uh, fact for my husband earlier on even he thought uh,
1: brunette as well <laughs> that would be interesting to see as a ginger getting yeah. look wouldn't
0: it I think she fired out as a ginger um, even in a, in her early modelling days.
1: All <laughs> oh, right, that's it's very uh, different.
0: Yeah, definitely. And final question: um, Was the inventor of Coca Cola a pharmacist? And uh, Brownie Point, what was his name?
1: Uh, I believe it was a. It was either a pharmacist or a dentist, because wasn't it things was initially done as a mouth to a mouthwash in dentistry? But I can't think of the individual's name
0: down as a pharmacist on Google apparently um, yep. and it's uh, John Pemberton oh okay That's nice for you on a Friday <laughs> <laughs> right um, so for our listeners Steve um, just give us a brief introduction to your uh, proportion as to where you are today how how have you got here Um
1: and um yeah, enlighten us, please. Okay. Um as you be able to tell from the accent of from Liverpool, um, one of the greatest cities in England. I um lovely I decided, Been there a lot of times. Very, very nice. I decided to do pharmacy, um when I was in well, in the, um G C S E year in school I quite liked science, but I also quite enjoyed working with others and helping people. It seemed quite a good opportunity to merge the two together. Okay. Um, I was quite fortunate to do some uh, part-time work in the pharmacy, um, local to where the school was uh, through my level years and throughout uni- my term, university in John Moores, which is a really big help of actually making um, some of the more theoretical stuff come to life. And I would certainly recommend to anyone if they can, if you can get any part-time work in the pharmacy while you're studying. That really helps you through your degree. Um Whilst being with my degree, John Moore's actually quite. I started getting involved in the uh, as a student representative on some of the the boards of study and uh, staff student consultative committees, and started getting involved in the working with others and trying to support the people in the year and make things better for years coming forward. That's how I became involved in the more political side of things in that respect and pharmacy, and quite enjoyed that element of it. Okay, Uh, then I when I first qualified, start did the pre region hospital um and then spent my first year, six months of practice in hospital and then went into community pharmacy management because that's what I'd quite enjoyed doing was a, as an undergraduate working in pharmacy uh, shops. Uh-huh. And as I went developed through things, I quite I'd more enjoyed doing the service side of things, so the um facing patient services, living um, delivering a medication review element. elements, um EHC consultations, things of that nature, some the So, mm-hmm. I progressed to primary care and got a job with a pharmaceutical industry company doing um, clinical review services in GP practices up and down the country. Um, and from there, I was fortunate to be able to get involved in a private, um, commit, probably commissioned medicines management service for a small group of GP practices mm-hmm. in the northwest. Um, in 2000. 2009-2010 and we worked delivering their Medicines management services about 13 practices with another pharmacist the service director and so got into the primary care arena um, at that point as well I became more involved with the Pharmacist Defence Association and working on their prime at the time the Primary Care Specialist Pharmacist oh. Committee chairing that committee and became a union rep going out working with pharmacists in employment situations and supporting them and employment, employment disputes all, um, fine fine.
0: Fine. all at the same time you're juggling lots of things at the same time
1: i was quite fortunate i, to, I wanted to did this but i, I went into the working meds the, met the service and um, i was working on a self-employed basis so i was able to work i worked across a couple of days a week doing community pharmacy locum in about three four days three four days a week working. As a primary care, uh, care pharmacist, did the meds management service. And then I slotted in work with the Pharmacist Defence Association. So I was able to do a couple of days' representations from time to time. Yeah. And then do um, work on the committee for them as well. So it's really, I really found it quite rewarding, especially working with people when they're in real struggles in employment disputes and things of that nature. Yeah. And as things progressed, I was fortunate enough to get a position leading the meds management service for a large CCJ um, in the northwest, part of a commission support unit which I did for uh, two three years until 2016 and then uh, for the last two years I've worked for NHS England in uh, the devolved health and social care economy in Greater Manchester You all know, the community pharmacy and optometry service commissioning which has been, been a real, uh, real eye-opening but it's been really, uh, been really great to work in like, a new different environment because we've got a lot more freedom to develop services and spend money in different ways so we able to work on more and in transit, currently working on a wholesale community pharmacy service transformation plan to help us, uh, pharmacies delivered across Greater Manchester and how its services are commissioned from the new emerging local um, care organisations and accountable care organisations with the CCGs and local authorities start working together and working in that environment definitely gives a lot more freedom to do different things um, and also the contract assurance element with the community pharmacies engaging with them at that level as well to try and support them to deliver better services, but obviously meet the core contract elements for patients. Um, it's definitely a different way to um, work with the pharmacist. That experience as a expenses has been really useful. I still that way of a weekend. I still work Danny. as a local pharmacist. <clears throat> oh, sorry, I still work as a local pharmacist of a weekend as well. Um, community, to, um, to has been really beneficial keeping your hand into. Working with actual practice, understanding the delivery of the services, understanding the pressures people work under. Yeah. So I can then I can do with NHS England. So when I can help try and be support more supportive of contractors and how we can try and reduce some of the burden on them and wear them in a different way rather than people just being beat over the head with a stick. And actually pretty significant service. um so takes resource issues out there. What i blessed the last two years as well, I was fortunate to get a position as a trustee with the pharmacist support charity. Um, working on the board of the charity, it's been really rewarding working. We want to work with the colleagues to set the strategic direction of the charity. The, the amount of work the organization does for it it's not just pharmacists, students, pre registers, retired pharmacists, and also the dependents of families. and The support that's given to, to people with greatest time, of need, especially not just financial support, but support, things <laughs> The work of that organisation, just, just huge amounts of um, work goes on. There's a fantastic team, that's important people, and it's quite privileged to actually work work alongside them and support that organisation as well from a strategic perspective. So it's really rewarding. I've really found it really rewarding, helpful thing to do. OCB your your
0: must be massive. It,
1: it, I do have quite, it's, it's quite, a lot. I do. What I find is, that I I've always been quite passionate about pharmacy developing the profession and working with others so whilst there's a lot of elements of things with day-to-day work and I'm quite fortunate to have be a person who actually does a job they like and does something they really enjoy for their day-to-day work but I do quite a lot of things in the say spare time, so I enjoy doing that work with people so especially being a trustee of the charity or some of the committee work the PDA because I'm not the national executive of the union as the comms officer I do I mean I do that part because I enjoy doing it as well so it's it's no, I wouldn't say it's a hobby, but it's something that actually I'm quite passionate. About because I quite like to do, so it's not. I don't just view it as doing something for work; it's something I enjoy doing.
0: That's good. That's good. And I, I very much, uh, I very much like the fact that you still do a bit of local work just to keep your foot on the ground and, and have a look at how things could be improved or or done differently because. I've, I've seen it many times where you get decisions being made, but the last time they set foot in a pharmacy was, like, years ago. Uh, and I'm, like, I'm seriously in touch with the real world and, and see what the changes are being made and, and how it affects our patients. So hats off to you, man. Like, you've done a hell of a lot. Um, and, yeah, I, 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 I really like it. That's, that's like... That's li- that is literally like putting pharmacy as your passion and you believe in what you do uh, mm-hmm. and that, that clearly shows through the aspects and and the journey that you've gone through as well so yeah well well done Stephen. well done yeah so would you say it's the, would you say it's the patients that inspire you to do what you do on a day basis or is it the profession or both
1: I'd say it's both. I mean, obviously, you've got to keep at the heart of it, but we're here, what we're here to do is to provide care care to patients and like pharmacies Well, that's actually, it's more than that. It's not just pharmaceutical care to patients. It's it's now developed. It's, it's health and well-being, and it? so it's a wider agenda. So, you we know, were there to provide medicines, advice, and support for people to live healthy lives and use the medicines properly. Um, so, that's, a, that's got to be a key element of everything we do. And I think that quite often gets lost in discussions from various bodies, some even as commissioners when I work with commissioning. You forget to sometimes think of the patient journey, thinking what's a benefit for the patient at the heart. But yeah. A key thing for me, though, as well, is the, is the wider profession. And it's, I like to, what so I've done this year when I stood for election, I try to keep the message simple of I'm work standing to support pharmacists and try and develop our profession. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my goal. It. And it's that's what I think. Mean, that's the key. That's the RPS should be all about. Yeah. That's the key. I mean, there's a lot more tangible things that need to be done in order to achieve that. But if we keep those two things core to support pharmacists and develop the profession to give the best patient care we can, yeah. you can't go far wrong. That's at the heart of it.
0: Because those two need to be the 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 strength of the foundation. Actually, like patients and the pharmacists. Are the foundation, and then you
1: build up from that. exactly yeah, definitely. And then everything else, build around. Keep those two things at the heart. Then you can't, shouldn't go far.
0: Yeah. So, with you uh, being in touch with like a community on a regular basis from doing like locum days and things, what's your take on the? amount of negativity or if you do see any negativity that is running through our teeth at the moment and, and what do you think we can do to challenge it?
1: I think the huge amount there's a huge amount of apathy in the profession which um, is not surprising people are under huge amounts of pressure to constantly deliver not not more for the same but now deliver more for less and the the decision to make significant cuts to the pharmacy funding budget um the last settlement has had an impact on um, people's resources um, and I you mean know, that has a knock-on effect on people's working environments people have got less staff support they've got less other support and um, so there's I mean there's there are a lot of people out there doing huge amounts of work and they, I think they feel a daily grind and I bring them to a the situation where you work in pharmacies and it's literally a prescription factory. And that's, you barely look up to the day and you, see, and you see all the other issues around. I mean, the PDA raised a lot of these and other organisations linked into the Safer Pharmacies Charter to help support develop. Um, It's trying to, we're in environments now where people can't take adequate rest breaks. They can't spend time with patients and on a proper patient-facing basis and have conversations because they've got that much to check and work through. And also with what's happening is Pharmacists and pharmacy technicians, as registered well professionals, are not able to work in roles and, and to, to, to the top of their abilities. Yeah. So we've got pharmacists, pharmacists working in roles where the dispensing descriptions are self checking. Yeah. Pharmacy technicians who qualify qualified to check prescriptions and should actually be in community, managing a dispensary, managing the process, and um, then working to kind of do, delivering with the patient care on top of it. They're stuck working as dispensing assistants. Because that lack of resource, that people can't get out and grind, and they haven't got the headspace to see how we can do things differently. And then that prevents us from delivering other services. And then it makes it a challenge when the services, some of the more innocent things we try and commission in the NHS England role, some pharmacies genuinely struggle to, struggle to deliver it because they haven't got the resources. And some of the commissioning done is quite piecemeal pharmacy services. So you've got additional services by the CCG's local authorities. It can be quite a mixture of what's available in different areas. There's inequality for patients. So people are not able to deliver what they'd like to do and where to, to the standard they'd like to. And it can be quite a grind. So there's see real challenges out there.
0: How challenges. Matter- then? How can we, uh, if it's collected, if, if, if this something that's on, on your to uh, do, how, how can we challenge this to improve, improve our profession going forward?
1: There's a number of things. That we, it's, there's no easy fix for anything. I mean, I'm, I know we've focused on community pharmacy in that last question. I mean, there's a huge challenges across the rest of the pharmacy sector as well. i taking out hospital pharmacy, a lot of workplace pressure. Primary care pharmacy, undergoing going huge changes and there's significant challenges there. There's some common themes, there's some specific different sectors. I think part of it from the role of the RPS is to be the body that is on like honest broker working alongside other organisations such as the likes of the, the PDA, uh, National Pharmacy Association, there's some of the trade organisations, some of the other pharmacy bodies and the clinical organisations to come to bring them together to develop intelligent plans for the workforce that can actually provide that proper pharmacy service. and bring. We've got pockets of investments from the NHS England and different pharmacy schemes like clinical pharmacy and GP practice care home farms and some leadership supports in different areas <clears throat> excuse me um, it's the rps could bring come together with other organizations to start bringing the collective plan so yeah. we can actually have an intelligent design for the workforce and we can actually deliver services in a manner which um, it gives people job satisfaction but also benefits patients and makes use of resources we've i mean also i think from a RPS perspective it's working and maybe giving some additional support to the local practice forums so we can start developing and growing local leaders' leadership within pharmacy, and okay. giving people practical support to go and engage and in with local council care, um, care organisations, local care organisations to emerge with new commissioners to actually get pharmacy integrated as part of that model, and they start re- transforming pharmacy services as a commission. So they're done in a way which gives people okay, maybe a package of services rather than piecemeal services here and there. it allows them to make the investments into their teams and staff to say, okay, well, what investment else we can do with our services, have better working relationships with other healthcare professionals like GP practices, practice pharmacists and other possible pharmacy sectors so we can have a more joined-up approach, utilising pharmacy skills and then commission pharmacists to deliver services rather than just looking at traditional sectors. Yeah, but if you have that support like the LPS and give us some practical leadership training and support for people mm-hmm. to engage I mean the other thing we could look to do as well as a professional body is giving people some practical toolkits to actually go and either develop service specifications or training to go and put business cases forward to get new services and maybe even some cases actually developing private services so we can actually get input from patient-facing services that can give an evidence base to go and so say this is actually what we then um, what we've achieved and then they can go to commissioners and get maybe some NHS commissioners from the evidence bases with a bit of chicken and egg because they want the evidence before the commissioner but you need yes. the service to get the evidence. Yes. It's a, a key role for the NHS which is coming to drive forward. Really connecting people together, connecting pharmacists together to work coll- collectively yeah. as federations like the GP federated model happens to get pharmacists connected and pharmacies connected with other health professionals so they got better... Working program within local care organizations and certain care systems. So they become integrated into that system. And also to support the confidence. So they can champion pharmacy and give the confidence in pharmacists to think outside the box and work differently with each other. And the confidence in the health providers and patients to actually use pharmacy for their foot and our skills. Um, and also with that, it gives them the help to give us the control of rather right to work in a different way and do something differently. So we need the RPS to stand up and set the professional standards. We like look at the safer pharmacies charter that we did with the PDA. But let's actually try and embed that in the culture of work and to give pharmacies the chance, as pharmacists, the chance to stand up. Yes. And, look the professionals and say, um, I'm, I'm professionally in charge of this service or what's going on. Take the accountability policy, take the leadership to make sure it's a safe and effective service and give it, help them control our environment. And that's really the key areas where I think we need to put some support into
0: mm-hmm. Now you bring up some valid points, there, Stephen. Like, um, yeah, I think confidence is one of the main factors that is affecting majority of pharmacists because they have been so used to just being behind the bench and just kicking that box and keeping your head down, like you said. And um, with the amount of change that's coming and and the amount of services that are coming out, they I've come across many pharmacists that have because they've just kept themselves in a the dispensary it seems like they've even just lost that confidence of speaking to patients
1: I think you're quite right one thing with piece of work I'm personally leading in Graham in my role in Greater Manchester is one of the localities with piloting is some targeted support around the MUR service and it was- Part of it to doing a training session with local pharmacists in that locality to actually support them to embed the service as part of the day-to-day, but also have those better conversations with patients. And we're trying to actively link them up with some of the GP practice pharmacists in the area and link them up with local GP practices to get G- to get other health professionals to refer patients into a pharmacy for an MUR service. So as part of their treatment and support, and actively say to patients, so not say it's a good idea, but..." Actually, as a health professional, I'm referring to these other health professionals for this valuable service. So, and then to try and help improve their confidence in delivery. So then, they, and also when they see people being referred into them, and also maybe some of the some of the recommendations being acted upon and the loop being closed, and getting the feedback that's what happens a positive impact on patients, then that gives them further confidence. Actually, what they're doing is being valued by others and then helps again, helps perpetuate.
0: Yeah, I think I think starting steps like that is is something that would definitely work, um, especially for some pharmacists that have been doing it for a while, um, and are well, literally in their comfort zones. Like they need to get uncomfortable to boost their confidence again. Whereas, like I've come out of university and I have never known each year to be the same. Each year is different. And the amount of change that happened as I came out of university, I was like, oh, I'm just blinking my eyes like it's not the same. It's always, it's always changing. It's always changing. We've yeah, innovative and we've got to move forward. But yeah, confidence is definitely one of the main things. Definitely.
1: I think one thing's really good as well, which I've seen. I've like, know the RPS has been pushing this for a, while, a little while, and I thought it was when it was announced by the Chief Pharmacist at the Clinical Pharmacy Congress, and prior to that, Health Education England announced it's a foundation program. Fort Pharmacists, which is more akin to the the medical training model where they do the first, say, three years of practice, they're actually supported to rotate in different environments and pick up different skills. Um, And I think the RPS needs to be the lead organisation to set all the educational criteria and the professional standards what that programme would entail working with HE and commissioners and it's quite good to see um, recently it was announced um, this year's pre reg intake they've actually put together a pilot of pharmacists doing a cross-sector pre-reg between GP practice and community pharmacy which is quite different because I think it's supporting the early years training is really important of new pharmacists and developing the pre-reg programme because so, what we need really is good pharmacists to be generalists going forward in yes. different settings and I think it's called portfolio work by a number of people and then work in different sectors and different career, different things in your career. Some people call it portfolio work and some people just haven't quite made their mind of where they like to work again trying to do a bit of everything but um, I think that breaking down the sector to all the barriers and being supported to do that so you have a pharmacist delivering a service or so skills where It's needed, it doesn't matter where you deliver that. You shouldn't be defined where you work, so you shouldn't just like the community, the hospital, the primary care. We've got, I mean, we, traditionally we had about four or five, three se- four sectors, and some specialisms. We've got about 20 different sectors of pharmacy now. That's actually, well, actually, it's a case of I'm a pharmacist and I provide this what the services I do, and that's how you should be defined. It doesn't matter where you do it.
0: Yeah, because at, at university at the moment currently what uh, they probably do is one or two weeks placement in the entire year and that yeah. in itself is not enough for them to make that decision as to what sector they want to go into or anything like that and I think it's had a profound effect on some of the students where they've finished the pre-reg and like, I think I'm in the wrong, I'm in the wrong sector and yeah. see that stresses that they go through that they have to go through in order to get into that sector that they require.
1: Um, definitely. definitely. And especially if you're going from the private sector and community pharmacy back into the NHS at a later stage. I know a couple of colleagues and friends who've done that and it's what they wanted to do, which has been really good for their their pathway. But it's had to take significant financial penalties themselves yeah. in terms of potential income. So, and they've had to go back to, to early stage, isn't it? it, it we should be we should be helping community so if you want to change sectors i mean not just community all sectors really but there particularly seems to be lacking a professional career pathway and yeah. leadership development in community pharmacy and it should be the case now where you can do a clinical diploma in community you get support to do this professional training and then if you do want to move sectors or you need to deliver services elsewhere it's more of a smooth transition and that's what things people this is definitely professional development pathway in the community sector, so good. Definitely.
0: Definitely. Have, have, definitely agree with you on that. Definitely. Um for the non RPS members that are listening to the podcast, what would you say are the reasons for them joining and how would you sway them to
1: join? I think one, one element really is that she would be good to actually try and get together a, a number of mem- non-members and have some level of engagement to have a discussion about why aren't you a member and what do you perceive the obvious to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one thing I've noticed on social media, I yeah. think um, I referred to one of my pharmacy and the letters election as well, there seems to be a lot of confusion over what the role is of a professional body. There's people out there shouting, oh, they should be doing something about wages, they should be um, taking action against... Big, big employees who don't treat employees right—they yeah. um, you know, should be taking legal action here. And, and people misunderstand the RPS is not a regulator; it's not a trade union, but a professional body. There, it's it's got a separate, distinct role. I think one element which the RPS doesn't do very well is explain to members the actual breadth of things it actually does for the profession and the value of some of the some of the high level policy development they've done and linking in with government level and commissioners i mean recently we've seen a lot more of pharmacists on the media talking about medicines related issues and um, fielded by the rps uh, i think recently one of the rps scientific officers was a pharmacist was talking about problem medicines issue in the bbc it's putting pharmacists at the forefront of the recognized profession When there's an issue to do with medicines they come to them They come to the, to the pharmacy profession and the rps the recognized body and the practical level there's a huge value of support for pharmacists around the peer support networking. There's a lot of very active LPFs around the country doing AML um, and surround training. The validation is going to be a big. It's gonna be a big issue. if It's a new way of us doing CPD and ensuring our continuing registration. There's a lot of support gone into different areas for this. They've done you know a lot of things. They've pathways and guidance around specific career areas when the GP clinical pharmacist. Pract- um, pilot came out. A lot of support was done by the RPS for that area, What well, I do think the RPS do. They do, do seem to be, publicly seems to focus on some key certain areas yeah. and certain sectors rather than a wider professional view, which we need to push push back a bit more on. And I think we need to be clear that we support the wide level of our membership. I know there's a lot of support for students and pre reg from just I used to, on um, that previous role with a bit more um, availability. I was take a lot of advocacy, ad- advocacy talks, the RPS at university. Uh, Days and also the pre registration forms just for the benefits of joining. And there's, there's a lot of support around access to um, training materials, the pre reg exam, um, foundation documents, um, supported past pre reg competencies, and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. The, the foundation, as well as you, you, you have got support there for your own professional development, career development. So there's an awful lot of things they do as, as a professional body, which is very it's beneficial for members. I think. To communicate some of the tangible benefits to people and they're not perceived all the time to actually listen to yeah. the full needs of all the membership so I think one trick that they miss out on is that we've got a huge student membership and we've got paying pre-reg membership I appreciate they're not full they're not qualified pharmacists yet and they're not full members because of the good reason they can't vote in the elections so why can't the pharmacists through the future yeah. of our profession have a say in who governs that profession and we, we you know especially pre-registered we are taking money off of the membership. The work I do the PDA, we have student members of pre-registered members of the PDA. They're full voting right many of the, the union elections, they're all valid full union members. So I think you know, things of that nature all giving them a voice to actually maybe, okay I appreciate we wouldn't let them stand for the, the board because the level of experience probably isn't there yet. And um, things of that nature, but we should be allowed to vote in the elections and things so having that engagement with them. I think we could do more to bolster the LPF networks um resource them more adequately so we can have more local peer discussions and more local engagement with our membership mm-hmm. and help give some further.
0: Rise, when they come out they have not been um they've not been um, what's the word? i am going blank, mind blank now. Right. They've not been conditioned to the environment. So it's essentially a fresh pair of eyes if they're allowed to you know, have their voice and stuff like that and be heard. Um, they've not been conditioned to any sort kind of sectors or depression or working pressures, service pressures. Uh, they're seeing it from a pair of eyes from point of view that something that we might have missed to make it happen. You know.
1: Yeah, I agree definitely. It's, it's, it's a new view, some fresh thinking, and some fresh ideas. So, some additional passion, I suppose, and, and energy as well, which is really helpful for me. I used to um, one before, before I moved away from Liverpool, and I the, the colleague uh, was a lead, won the co-leads for the Liverpool major part of the L P F. And we, had a, we based it in the university in John Moores. We had a huge student following the support. And a lot of students would come along and help run, a, run meetings and events for us. Even items which weren't directly relevant to students at that stage of their career. They still come support and they'd be really keen and engaged. So we, there's people out there who want to be part of it, who want to help out and yeah. get involved. So we need to fully tap into that, make them feel valued. And be, we support them and grow them in leaders in the mm-hmm. future which we need to follow and take over from us. I think the other bit, one thing with the RPS which we could do better is, I mean, one example they did last year, they, they read, um, reviewed and um, published the prescribing prescri- competencies for non-medical prescribers, and that was on behalf of all professions, not just pharmacy. That's a massive piece of work yeah. we've led on. As the, the pharmacy profession. It's right to, to do medicines, it's right that we lead on it. The RPS needs to be shouting about things of that nature and showing people that's what we've developed, that's how it's to support you. We do a huge amount of level support and guidance through medicines issues and recalls, medicines advice and new advice, the MPP things of that nature. There's a huge amount of things there that actually is available to people. It's all included in your uh-huh. membership. So there's stuff is done which we just don't seem to communicate very well to the members. And membership. that's
0: something that's been picked up by every single candidate is that the RPS need to vocalise things uh, vocalized changing vocalized doing on a regular basis
1: um... yeah there's no, no, got no easy fix for this i mean i'm i'm my, one of my roles as a communications officer with the the p d a uh, union a lot of p d a members we 've got think got twenty seven thousand members plus a lot of members still don't appreciate the part of the trade union when you speak to them. So, and the same with the RPS. The, the, a lot of the members don't appreciate what they, what the RPS represents and what it means. And a lot of even get confused as to what the role of the RPS yeah. is. So, I think it's, it's definitely a piece, there's quite a lot of work we can do, but it's it's not going really, it's going to be done in collaboration with people. Oh, it's not, not going to
0: happen, happen overnight either.
1: <laughs> no, 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 definitely <laughs> not. But if we got kind of if we work towards the That's same goal. Definitely. Standard, Definitely.
0: So as you've kept base with um community pharmacy and, and you, you you still practice as a locum, when was the last time you spoke to someone that either a friend or a family member to find out what their understanding of what an actual pharmacy is on a day to day basis?
1: Um I quite it's, it's quite interesting actually about um some of the social um Things I I'm involved in. When I speak to friends and members. Um, I, I mean, when they ask me what I do for a living, I tell them where I work. I, I work for NHS England. I'm a pharmacist. You say the word pharmacist, everybody I speak to makes the assumption I work in a pharmacy uh, pharmacy shop. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, and I don't say, I don't say community pharmacist. I don't say chemist they just make an assumption I work in the shop when they say pharmacist to them and their perceptions to a lot of degree is still oh you're out the you're the one counting the tablets and that's a perception they get off a lot of people now I do explain to them some the the role I do and some people get quite surprised and I said well actually you know they still do some time the pharmacy stores, but most of my time is in commissioning um well then you talked to him about well I used to um, I used to work in when I started out I worked in hospital pharmacy when I did my pre my first year. Again you say to people I'm a pharmacist and you make an assumption that you counting tap, it, and you don't appreciate you. You're out on wards doing clinical advice to patients and doing clinical checks on what's been prescribed and making sure that's correct and, and giving advice to prescribers and GPs, so <clears throat> Um so it still has a big perception in this country that people don't understand the value of what we do and the level of the breadth of the different things we're involved in, how far the profession stretches. As I said before, we've got about probably 20 sectors of pharmacy at the moment, including some special, particular specialties as well and industrial scientists. And then academics are on top of that as well. So there's a huge amount of work we do. That's just the minute. It's not We've not done a very good job of selling that to patients and showing them what we do. And I am I do get I mean I know some people have become fervently involved in this argument of pharmacists versus technicians. Um I don't see there's any argument between a pharmacy, pharmacist and technician. I, I work with pharmacists and primary care, so like technicians and primary care, one well, pharmacist, uh, hospital pharmacy and community pharmacy. The level of training between the three areas is quite distinct and different and the roles are very different. And I think we I mean, much better utilise pharmacy technicians in hospital roles and primary care than in the community. Uh, and they're good and bad in both. Um, but I think they, they basically, we, we are different we're different registered professionals with the GPHC. We have different roles to do. Pharmacy technicians are valued members of the pharmacy teams and they are valued colleagues, they are they, um, they supplement the role we do as pharmacists but they're not a substitute for us. But I do get concerned when you can community when you speak to some people and patients, they have no idea what the differences and it is wrong to give any perception to people that we are one and the same thing. We're both so we're both registered health professionals. We can both support and advise patients but there's a vast array of differences what our skills and our roles are. But as pharmacists, though, I think there is still a perception by the public and to a large degree that, you, know, you you're counting tablets in the shop. It's so much for what we do.
0: Not just counting tablets. It's, it's, it's why my prescription takes longer than McDonald's. Yeah. It's,
1: it's, it's, many a time I've had discussions with patients about would well, they like the medicines done quickly or safely and pointed out to them that it's not a burger at McDonald's that we're trying to get out for them. I don't think it's helped when some organization advocates or will the prescription in less than five minutes or things of that nature um there's, there's so much more needed to be done to make that a safe transaction. We need I guess we need to move away from this perception that um, pharmacy, particularly people working in dispensary style, like, like the sorry, dispensary type services, it's not a transaction. It's a service, and we're given making sure people get a safe product, to do, and we can use it the best way. And a number of wraparound services to make sure that medicine is used correctly, because the way the biggest waste of the NHS is a medicine that someone can't use properly or doesn't take. Yes, definitely, it's millions of pounds wasted in that in that vein, because people don't understand or don't want to take medicines and they're scared to tell someone. So it's not just trying. I mean, that's one well, of the biggest thing, biggest insults and sort the court case went on last year. Um, around the pharmacy funding cuts and one of the biggest insults to the profession um, somebody branded us as sandwich and shampoo sellers Wow and obviously you know that's just just completely wrong
0: sellers? I haven't heard that one before
1: (laughs) Yeah it was part of part of of the court case
0: The reason why I asked the question and I've asked it to every single candidate highlight uh, especially our listeners the fact that the image of a pharmacist and what we do on a day-to-day basis is not accurate and that's addressing uh, because only then will our patients come to us before they go to the GP for a cough or um, and, and, and even trust in what we're saying uh, aid in the transition of services coming over to the pharmacy,
1: pharmacy sector. Well what's been really helpful I think this year for the first time. One of the national pharmacy campaigns that were done was actually from NHS England was the Stay Well campaign which happened just up the run up to Easter. Yes. And that was promoted to use your pharmacist first for minor conditions and pallets, some of the things that was, that's our area to deal with, yeah. rather than going to screeners. what's really good, they actually used in the, in the publicity, they used real practising pharmacists and pharmacy technicians for those pictures and they didn't have a white coat inside which is really good to see as well because I don't know anyone who wears a white coat in the pharmacy anymore. I don't know I, <laughs> yeah. I think the RPS, the, the one of the things I said before one of the key roles we've got there is to be the champion for our profession to patients as well and to that builds the confidence in patients to come to us as a health professional and say right, these people know what, they can, know what they're doing, they can triage you effectively to another service, they can deal with a lot of minor conditions if you've got minor ailment conditions uh, services available, to appreciate that, some of that's under review with the recent NHS England medicines consultation but we've got those services available people can get free treatment if they don't pay for prescriptions, or they need that, that support. We can advise people what to take a factor, or we can make sure that they get seen in places. We do lots of service as well. So we've got so we've got pharmacy uh, patients being referred directly from 111 to a community pharmacy for a medicines issue and um, the, the supply made if it's appropriate. If the supply is not able to be made because of another clinical input needed, the pharmacist will then make an appointment for that patient to go to a GP out of service and that patient pathway flows through and it's dealt with, or the medicine supplies is either not appropriate or required, or can be dealt with elsewhere by self-care or other methods, being that advice to patients. So we've got those services started to happen now. And that's, that's, that's one of the things with it. It's a free resource. So it's not a free resource, but it's one of the most accessible resources within mm-hmm. primary care. And, um, as a profession, we're all over the place. We're all over the place for late night opens in supermarkets, high streets, health centres, small communities, rural areas, and um, not many places can you walk in and get a health care assessment and review as a patient I'm completely free of charge without an appointment.
0: Hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, and, and the things are being done in cases. I know, like, in my head, I'm like, it's not been done. It's not, it's not, it, I know it's not going to change overnight, I know that. Um, it's, it's something that we need to on the forefront to ensure that the message is missed. Um, so I can appreciate campaigns being done, definitely. Uh, but as long as it's still at the forefront, and, um, it's not missed. Definitely. Um, where do you see pharmacy in the next five years?
1: it's um, it's, an, it's an interesting question to make predictions on it but i see this the what the vision i'd like where i'd like to see us going about the potential to go to is a situation whereby we have a joined up plan for the pharmacy care workforce so it's, it's, a, it's a plan for primary care together um but the plan for the pharmacy workforce that encompasses hospital pharmacy, community pharmacy, primary care pharmacy, some of the, special, all the, the other specialities. Um, and like, we got a cohesive plan with a joined up idea where how we want to use our workforce, how we want to use our pharmacy yeah. um, professionals. I feel like we see where we could have an integrated training programme, so pre-reg training could become part of you and um, farm degree with cross-sector placements being the norm yes. and a foundation, foundation programme for newly qualified pharmacists whereby you'll spend up so to your first three years working across, as a mandatory thing for everyone working across different sectors gaining experience with different settings and providing different types of patient care to different people at different times yes. uh, and I'd like to look situation whereby we have in our pharmacy stores the dual pharmacist model where we've got pharmacists where basically the patient is good di- diagnosed either maybe by a gp or non-medical prescriber which could be a pharmacist or nurse in a special mm-hmm. setting the management of that patient is then handed over to the medicine medicine's perspective to a pharmacist in either a community setting or could be primary care setting or elsewhere where that pharmacist will then Manage the prescribing budget for that, that patient, manage their medicines. Um, and within the same practice, a separate patient facing pharmacist will be there to give the clinical support and check on prescriptions that have come through, giving the face to face patient advice, giving general advice, mental health and wellbeing services. You know, all the members of the pharmacy team skilled up, including full use of technicians, to manage the dispensary process, accuracy check all the prescriptions taking on um, leadership roles and maybe the health supporters making full use of the health, healthy living pharmacy uh, networks to so have public health services commission with health champions living interventions for people um, and an encompassing support from either a primary care pharmacy network and a hospital pharmacy network giving specialist input into inpatient care and giving that safety net overall some specialist clinical input so wrapping around the whole thing that's the vision where like I think we could get to... I think we're not going to hit all of that, definitely, but I think we could be well on the way. next five years, we can definitely have all the foundation blocks built and be well on the way and start transitioning to... And transition to a perspective where pharmaceutical care is a service-based patient model. Mm -hmm. It's not defined by dispensing medicines. We need to have... Wherever medicines are dispensed, there has to be a pharmacist input. And for every... for To have a pharmacy... You must have a pharmacist taking professional responsibility. And a pharmacist, pay a pharmacy. You can't. Uh, it's not a pharmacy, but I think that's potential where we could get to.
0: Okay, Interesting. Interesting. And a bit of a key question. Apart from yourself, who out the other candidates vote for and why?
1: Ooh, that's a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> um. What I'd, I suppose i mean there 's a number of different candidates that i 've got i think people 've seen of them they 've got similar aspirations and viewpoints of the profession to to myself um, and i would um i mean that one of the key things is that when if anyone gets elected, we need to work collaboratively with everybody else to try and get the common agenda common team and agendas um, I do think that we need mix we could do with a mixture of new faces and and um just standing stand we could we do some fresh thinking as well. Um, uh-huh. So there, I mean, there, are, there is a number. There are a number of candidates that I, some I know personally, and some of the work they've done personally. Uh, past of, um, work of the likes of um, Catherine um, Armstrong on the with the PDA, so where she interaction with things and, uh, Johnny and Halal as well. To Hilda Islam, a good work around local workforce and good people into pharmacy issues as well. Um, I've there are I mean there's a number of other candidates standing. There's, there's, there's a number of people. Um, I mean, stand in local film locals who are working away to Manchester. No, West Stan's always been a very good media force for pharmacy. She's very passionate about the profession. to a practicing community pharmacist as well. So there's a number of professionals that have stood up for the profession, and that's the where they have done. There's a lot of people we could work with, and there's a lot of good candidates for us to to aim to support us.
0: Okay. Um, okay. Last question. You've got thirty seconds to do a quick promo promote your candidacy.
1: Well, as I, say, as I said before, my key aim in this election is to support pharmacists and developers I have experience of working at the coal face. I still work as a community pharmacist I understand the pressures I worked as commissioner at board level with the PDA and pharmacist support and on developing policies such as the Safer Pharmacies Charter and Roadmap for Pharmacy I also work with individual pharmacist them as a union rep I understand the pressures facing us I've lived them, I've sat beside people in very difficult trying times and supported them I will not do anything that's going to dilute the pharmacist role and um, I'll bring my experience from the various arenas and specialist commissioner to an understanding of the healthcare arena and the new landscapes and new commission organisations to champion our profession and to deliver the best we can for patients and supports as pharmacists and professionals to develop and get to a vision where we, we have um, good job satisfaction and deliver the best patient care we can
0: lovely thank you well thank you very much Stephen, for taking your time out on a friday evening to speak to us i wish you the very best with the candidacy and um, all the best for the rest of your night thank you, pleasure,
1: salty. Thank, you. Enjoy your thank you bye,
0: thank you.
1: bye.